Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today and i was thinking man i've been gone a few days i'm coming back and he's like yeah i'm not gonna be there I'm like what is it man i thought we were buddies <laughs> no he's actually helping out his mom today he's a good son um and he'll be back tomorrow when you start your time off David. yes but more on that a little bit later and i got a story to tell in a second um but there's a lot going on like catching up on news of the last few days the biden family corruption scandal yeah is getting more spotlight. Yeah, it is. Uh, so now we have evidence that Joe Biden was directly involved in his son's and his son Hunter's corrupt business deals in the form of a couple of text messages that keep getting dropped out there uh, by the by House Republicans. Uh, one of them was to a Chinese business associate. That news broke a little less than a week ago. And Hunter is literally sitting there going goodfellas on the guy with a, this Chinese business associate, uh, member of the Chinese Communist Party. Hunter is saying, hey, I'm here with my dad, and then threatens to rain down all sorts of hell on him if he doesn't get back to him. Whew. I got to hear from you or the chairman, okay, buddy? He knows how this game works. He's been around it a while, old Hunter. Yeah, and then you've got this other WhatsApp message that has come out that talks about how great the Bidens are at getting things done behind closed doors and these shady business deals. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in another era and another president, you might have many somber-looking cable news hosts saying, the walls are closing in. <laughs> We've never seen anything like this before <laughs> right. in an American presidency. <laughs> right. right. Well, Joe was actually asked about that today. Oh, Joe, what do you say? How involved were you in your son's Chinese shakedown text message? Were you sitting there? It's were you involved? Were you No. No, I wasn't. <laughs> He sounded really irritated there. Yeah, he gets very irritated when you bring up uh, Hunter Biden. Well, yeah, and he can't go with the old Russian disinformation anymore. No. Because we know that's not true. Right. It never was. So, wow. And a little bit later, we'll get to the CBS interview with the IRS whistleblower. And I'm shocked that CBS is doing it. Yeah. Well, they, they started down this road a couple of weeks ago talking yeah. to this IRS whistleblower who at first was kind of playing coy with it, saying that there had been some uh, uh, malfeasance or interference on the part of the federal government when it comes to investigating the son of the president, uh, or at that time he was a candidate when this whole thing was really beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, now you have even the New York Times begrudgingly admitting, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, we have an independent source that is confirming that, yes, the feds told IRS agents to back off of felony charges against Hunter Biden. But how many paragraphs in the New York Times, oh. the failing New York Times story, was that? It was the lead was buried. Yeah, it was twenty-one paragraphs in, for the record, <laughs> before you, before any reader got the sense that oh, the New York Times has actually confirmed this. <laughs> yes. So it, and I don't know, I'm not mind reading, but I think a lot of us feel like whether it's CBS or the New York Times, they're doing this now to say, oh, oh no, we see, we reported on this. Right. 
We were understanding that democracy dies in darkness. Of course you do. Sure you do. So more on that a little bit later. Dude, this whole thing with some of the parades that you've seen around Pride Month, what's happening in front of children, honestly, is pretty shocking to people. Yeah, it's and it's disgusting. I mean, in Minneapolis over the weekend, you had this big fat dude wearing tidy whities thrusting his junk in, in the direction of children. Like, yes. Call the police. I mean, honestly, and you have adults around the kids laughing. I mean, I mean, I, I see this video of this creep doing it in his tidy whities like this, and I'm like, "Damn, where's Derek Chauvin when you need him?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a smoking hot. Day. I'm just saying, dude. Wow. Well, at a, at a recent Pride March, this was a drag march in uh, New York City. Another example of this, where these weirdos were marching down the street, chanting about coming for your children. Okay, roll this. We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. So obviously conservatives and sane people noticed that and said, wow, that is really undoing decades of progress for the gay community. Oh, yeah. Um, NBC News came in and defended this. Writing, hey, you know, the coming for your children chant has been used for years at Pride events, according to longtime March attendees and gay rights activists who said it's one of many provocative expressions used to regain control of slurs against LGBTQ people. You got to be joking me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> so you don't want to change the messaging, uh -huh. knowing that this is a problem for a lot of people that are gay. And a lot of people that are, I don't know, parents that want to protect their kids. You don't realize that, well, that's something that's been used a long time that you might want to change the message. Mm. Or is the message actually accurate? Yeah. Because when you look at all the evidence out there, it seems like, yes, you do want to come for the children. Mm -hmm. Jeez, man. Well, yeah, and... and uh... <laughs> You're right. At the end of the day, maybe in these fraught times in which we live, you might want to consider uh, tamping down on that a little bit. And nobody can really find an example of that being a common thing before 2021. You know, the, the the first time I remember somebody out and out saying it was the uh, gay men's choir that yes. did that whole song, We're Coming for Your Kids, and all of that. Okay, there's a time to be provocative, and then there's a time to uh, to, to back away just a little bit unless, unless you actually mean it that you are exactly. coming from the kids or for the kids exactly and that's what it looks like mm -hmm. honestly all right david you had a story about climate cultists yeah well new york is looking at forcing pizzerias to curb the use of wood or coal-fired ovens yes yeah. wood-fired pizza no <laughs> because you're <laughs> killing the planet <laughs> Um, and so if you the, under the proposed rules, you would have to put in expensive equipment to try to mitigate the emissions uh, coming out of these ovens because climate change is caused by pizzas. Uh, conservative artist and activist named uh, Scott Lobato showed up at City Hall earlier this week and threw pizzas at the building in protest. He called oh, it the New York goodness. City Pizza Party. <laughs> now, oh, my gosh, man. This guy... This guy's kind of a nut, but, man, he's entertaining. Uh, he was on KTSA in San Antonio this morning talking to Trey Ware, and he talked about the insanity of the climate cult, what he was fighting against. All right, roll it. 
It's these people that want to stop the pizza ovens and throwing us down. You know, little uh, Hansel, what's the Hansel and Gretel, that little girl from Hansel and Gretel who said we'd be dead last week five years ago. <laughs> and Al Gore, 2012, we'd be underwater. These people never really followed their dream because they were so distracted by all of this woke bull and this, you know, sensitive, politically correct insanity that they never followed their dream to the fullest. So they are self-loathing. They hate themselves. So what does that mean? <laughs> that means I hate myself. So you, the hell with you, you can't have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> that is very entertaining. <laughs> the hell with you. See, I, I do disagree on the central premise, though in that they're not following their dreams. I think for a lot of people, John Kerry, Al Gore, et cetera, I don't know about, like he called her the Hansel and Greta lady, Greta Thunberg is mm -hmm. who he's referring to, obviously, who said we'd be dead last week. Um, yes. Well, I, I disagree. I think they are, many of them are following their dreams of making a pile of cash off of stoking as much hysteria as possible. Absolutely. And more on electric vehicles a little later in the show. How much money electric vehicles are losing when mm -hmm. you're talking about some of the climate cultists, I guess. Um, okay, I didn't know if you guys had talked about this yesterday or not, because um, I told Robbins, hey, if you want to mention it, you can. It was no big deal. So I was out for a few days, and yesterday was like a bucket list day. And I got to thank my brother-in-law, John Petrakis, who called me like a week ago. Uh, and long story short, you know, my family been cowboy fans forever i was a cowboy fan since i was a little kid and we had heard that tony romo was going to play in this pro golf tournament in central illinois at metamora fields it's a fundraiser for the children's hospital of illinois my brother-in-law john calls me he's like hey um you know romo's going to be at this thing and i said yeah uh because my oldest daughter and i were playing out and going on watching and he goes uh would you like to play with him in the pro-am you know a few holes or something i'm like are you serious <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah. And he called me back a couple days later. He goes, actually, you're playing all 18. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And part of me was so excited. And the other part of me was my stomach was in knots. I'm like, how am I going to? I'm going to choke like a dog out <laughs> <You> there. <are. laughs> oh, my gosh. So it actually happened. And it, he was so gracious to everyone there. He is suffering from a bad back. Well, it, in general. But last weekend, he was playing in Wisconsin. I didn't know this until last night. He threw his back out um, where he had to swing with one club to get through this round of golf, a competitive round up there. And, I mean, I'd say six or seven times during the round yesterday, he had to stop, um, get on the ground with like a foam roller or a tennis ball and was doing, you know, just like some yoga things because his back is in bad shape. He had thrown it out, and it usually takes a few days. Um to heal and i don't know for sure i think he went ahead and played in that pro-am yesterday and is, is scheduled to play today because he didn't want to let people down mm. that he was there for the fundraiser and i know he toured the children's hospital of illinois yesterday um but what a great day it was he was so nice to everybody you know all these cowboy fans out there he's signing everything taking pictures um it was just a great experience I was able to make a couple of putts on the front nine, which was nice. So at least it took some pressure off. So when I started hacking, <laughs> at least I had a few under my belt. At one point, my daughter wanted to take a video of a tee shot I was going to hit. 
and she couldn't quite get to where she could get a view. And Tony said, oh, come up here, come up here. So she videos it standing next to him. I pull hook the shot, okay? I have the audio. So you hear it. You can hear me say, oh, it's way off. And then you'll hear what Romo says. It's these people. No, not that piece of audio, the one with Romo. Yes. No, it's way off. Oh, erase it. <laughs> oh, erase it. Yes, I it's think no that good. was a good idea. Except no she didn't erase it. We'll have that one forever. Thank you very much. Oh, erase it. Yes, thank you. But yeah, that was incredible. There's more to share on that a little bit later. Okay, much to get to today. Um, Donald Trump. Okay, what does he say about that leaked audio? That and much more coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Okay, what's the latest with Trump? What's he saying? Well, CNN got the audio of Donald Trump talking about a plan to attack Iran, and this is supposed to be the big thing that takes him down. The walls are closing in this time. Yes. Uh, the key piece of evidence in the federal indictment. Now, the context is this. He's talking to a writer about Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley, who said he was prepared to overrule Trump if Trump went on to try to launch a military strike. And in this piece of audio, Trump is explaining how it was actually Milley who'd wanted to launch a strike against Iran. Now, Trump's argument here is that I wasn't showing off actual intel. What I was showing off was newspaper clippings and saying, Look, the sources told this story that Milley wanted to, you know, or told this reporter that Milley wanted to bomb Iran or whatever. I was not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but federal prosecutors obviously say, no, you're referring to the actual classified intelligence. And this is the thing that could uh, be disastrous for him in court. Uh, but this is from an interview with Fox News Digital that he did yesterday after the audio was leaked. Okay. I had a whole desk full of lots of papers and mostly newspaper articles, copies of magazines, copies of different plans, copies of stories having to do with many, many subjects. And what was said was absolutely fine and very perfectly. We did nothing wrong. This is a whole hoax. This is just like the Russia, Russia, Russia deal. This is like the fake dossier. The dossier was a fake. It's all been a big fake. Because obviously you can't see what they're talking about. Right. Because it's audio. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, there are people suggesting, and I understand it, that there are only certain pieces of this audio that are being leaked for oh, obvious sure. reasons. Yeah. And again, who's leaking it? Yeah. Another question. So are we doing this all over again with the intelligence agencies trying to have some sort of input on the outcome of election? Yeah. And that's certainly what it looks like. To me, it gives him a little bit of wiggle room just because he can say, no, I was referring to news articles right. and saying I could have declassified everything that proves this. Mm -hmm. And I think notably what was reported by uh, Catherine Herridge at CBS News was that the uh, so-called like war plan with Iraq or with Iran, I mean, there I just pulled the Biden, uh, the, the, the attack <laughs> plan against Iran was not actually included as evidence from federal prosecutors. So I'm asking the question, why not? I mean, if right, if this, it's like, no, this is the document that he was showing them, you would think that that would be part of the evidence. But at least CBS is reporting that it's not. Well, that's the one they mentioned time and time again. We're yeah. talking about secrets here. And if that's it, to your point, yeah, why is it not included in the evidence? 
It's a really good question. I know this isn't of utmost importance, but I want to try to understand this right now. Is Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg actually going to have a fight or not? I don't, dude, I don't know. Uh, so if you missed it, last week there was this back and forth with Elon Musk saying, yeah, I'd do a cage match with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and Mark Zuckerberg responded, send me location. <laughs> and then apparently it's on. Because Zuckerberg is trained. Yes. And and then, yeah, I mean, you had um, uh, a really funny response from Elon Musk saying, yeah, but I have one move. It's called the walrus. I just lay on top of my opponent and don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so he put, put out this video, uh, Elon Musk did, of him wrestling somebody and like that he's supposedly in training i think dude you got to really train because zuckerberg third or fourth worst human being on the planet but that dude is getting to super nerd status he's been training i saw a piece with joe rogan rogan yeah and was vouching for him said no no these he's really good well so also, i think yeah he would have to train yeah not that long ago uh zuckerberg did uh something called the murph it's a crossfit challenge okay uh, it's meant to honor the uh, the life of a Navy SEAL who passed away and Afga- was killed in Afghanistan in 2005. But this is where you run one mile, do 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 bodyweight squats, and then run another mile while wearing a 20-pound vest. Whoa, buddy. Zuckerberg did that in 40 minutes. I got to admit, that's impressive. That's very impressive. <laughs> do you hear what Elon Musk's dad said about this? He said, this thing is crazy if it goes ahead. Because if Elon beats this guy, Elon will be called a bully, being so much heavier and taller. And if he loses, the humiliation would be total. It's a no-win situation for him. <laughs> I think Elon has gotten himself into a difficult situation as a result of high school behavior. They both have. Well, yeah, take it outside. We all want to see it. Right. Absolutely. All right. Much to get to, including the failing New York Times lying again next. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. He's out today. He's helping out mom. He's going to be back tomorrow. He's a good son. Okay. Failing New York Times. Way to bury the lead. Yeah, no kidding. We've got a couple of whistleblowers saying that they were blocked from bringing felony charges against Hunter Biden for tax evasion. And, in fact, one of these whistleblowers is publicly saying that Merrick Garland did, in fact, have a direct role in charging decisions despite his public denials. And even before Biden took office, people within the DOJ were preventing them from chasing down any leads that would link criminality to Joe Biden. This is wild, man. Deep state doesn't exist. (laughs) And CBS. Why are they the only ones of legacy media? It's very interesting. That's highlighting it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, the New York Times quietly admitted that they, too, had heard the same thing. It has to do with charges being brought potentially in the state of California. Two whistleblowers say their request to go after Hunter were denied. And the New York Times, buried in the 21st paragraph, <laughs> wrote in a story, uh, that episode was confirmed independently to the New York Times by a person with knowledge of the situation. Oh, yeah, by the way, all that stuff is real. It's not just Republicans going after Joe Biden's drug-addled son. Anyway, except the AP is reporting, somebody's got to get in control of these Republicans. It's an abuse of power. Right. 
Really? You, you might want to tell CBS that. Yeah. You mind playing this piece of audio? No, we can go can ahead do and that? play it. Yeah. This is wild to me. I'll let you set it up. Uh, this is what the uh, uh, whistleblower Shapley is, his last name. IRS agent, been working with the IRS for years, and he was part of the investigative team. And he is saying, in no uncertain terms, he was his investigation and the overall investigation into the president's son was completely kneecapped by the powers that be. Yes, listen to this. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships. Really? Hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. And Shapley told lawmakers that U.S. Attorney Weiss was blocked from bringing stronger charges. But U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said last week that Weiss was not. Somebody's lying? Yeah. So all of a sudden, when you hear other media outlets from the mainstream arena saying, okay, this talk of impeachment of Garland is ridiculous, is it? Oh, I don't think it is. He lied under oath. I'm saying he was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. I documented exactly what happened, and it doesn't seem to match what the attorney general or the U.S. attorney are saying today. Shapley, who is still working for the IRS, told us that even before President Biden took office, he was directed to avoid leads involving Hunter's father. Really? There's no deep state. There are certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. And you wanted to take them? We needed to take them. And you weren't allowed to take them? That's correct. Wow, man. There's a lot of different angles. Mm -hmm. And you had a theory before, why CBS, the only one. Well, What's the theory today? The the theory that I have, at least with CBS, is, is one, they've got somebody like Catherine Herridge on staff who's been running this stuff down. Mm -hmm. And she's not, you know, the typical uh, liberal media type. Mm -hmm. And I do think that you got to, if you are somebody who is realizing the writing is on the wall, Joe is guilty, whatever, uh, right. of some sort of corruption you got to start planting the seeds, and they've been doing that for months now, starting just before the midterm elections, especially when it comes to Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. For CBS as a news organization, maybe they're playing ball with whoever is, uh, is trying to warn Joe, hey, you're not really going to run for president in 2024. Maybe it is that they're saying, hey, we want to be able to say that we covered it that down the be. road. Okay, with Herridge that you mentioned. You think she's different. And it, as far as any of these different reporters, we n none of us know them. Mm -hmm. you, you're, you're trying in some ways to read minds or to try to figure out, okay, did they have this moment? Or is CBS afraid that if she demands, no, we're going to do this story. Mm -hmm. And say if you play it out that she would end up getting fired or she would quit and go on other media and say, listen, okay, they, they spiked the story. They wouldn't let me report on this. Mm -hmm. That it would be so damaging? I don't know. But it's really interesting just going over all of it, the different moves. Because if anything, it seems like NBC's doubling down the other way. Uh, yeah, I think so. They're, I mean, dude, and, and we had some of the audio earlier this week of other news outlets who are trying to change this conversation about Hunter Biden into conservatives are just being big meanies about a guy who had a problem with drugs. Right. And, you know, this is really about the New York Times had an op ed 
by what's that guy's name? Uh, Nicholas Kristoff, um, who said the real story here is not about corruption. It's about a father's undying love. For oh, what son. a hack. Yeah. Come on. And then you had that too. Anna Navarro, ABC News, going out there and saying, this is about a father who isn't going to give up on his son. <laughs> no, oh, man. Nobody cares about the drug addiction. No. It, it's it about, was never about that. It's about whether or not the president was involved in corrupt business deals with his crackhead son. Yes. And, with foreign governments. <laughs> that has left the United States in a bad position, especially when you're talking about China. But more on that a little bit later. It's this time of the show. Going around, it may not be the biggest story that you saw out there, but it caught your attention. Today, David, what's your story? Well, the Supreme Court is expected to decide any day now whether to block President Biden's plan to forgive up to $20,000 of federal student loan debt. Yes. For people who took out loans and apparently can't pay them back or don't want to pay them back. Now, this is a, a funny angle to me. Forbes had a write-up where they talked to a guy, a 39-year-old guy named Michael Kilman. Uh, got four kids, a nine-year-old and three teenagers, and he's anxious not because of the federal uh, student loan debt forgiveness plan, but because, well, you're going to have to start paying back your, your loans starting in, what, sometime in October. Mm-hmm. And he's really nervous about that part. This dude's got $177,000 in debt. Got Whoa. a, I think the initial bill, mostly for his graduate degree at Portland State University. The original uh, debt was 88000 but he kept getting deferrals. And you can get deferrals, but the interest still piles up. So now he's at a point where he owes $177,000. Now, the frustrating thing to me is that Forbes is painting this guy out to be the victim instead of somebody who made very poor life decisions. What's he do for a living again? Uh, well, he, his degree is in social work, which certainly would not pay back that amount of money, theoretically at least, but he's not in social work. He's a digital content creator and, an, and a part-time adjunct professor. So get a job, dude. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> dude, you can have compassion. And say, man, that sucks if you were led down the wrong path, but you made bad decisions. Yeah. So that means the guy that decided he didn't want to get himself in a bunch of student loan debt went into one of the trades, and he's supposed to pay for your education? Yeah. That was worthless? Why? No. Yeah. So he says, you know, I've never been in a position where I made enough money to pay my full monthly payments on loans. I've always had to defer it one way or the other. Um, if you resume these payments, you're going to cause major crisis for millions of American families. Now, see, the, the crisis <laughs> is that you were ripped off by the university system. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Yep. You want to propose a plan to hold the universities accountable for ripping you off? Let's go. Let's do it. And, more times than not, they have the cash. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you gotta you got to start doing that. You've got to start handing back your degree, too, if you want to get that. I mean that that to me that's part of the whole plan. If you're if you're really under debt, allow people to discharge it through the process of bankruptcy, and you have to essentially return that degree that you got but didn't pay for. And then the reason they don't want to do that is because uh, the federal government absolutely knows that then they would have to report on the data of the number of people who have to go into bankruptcy 
for degrees mm -hmm. that were not worth the investment. And then people would realize in full how much of a freaking scam college is. Yes. We've talked about it for years. Been ripped on mightily for it. But honestly, at least, say if, if you are on the left, those are your politics, and you're saying this is, this is not sustainable, this student loan debt. You hear about the problem. Do you ever hear those people saying, hey, you know what we need to stop doing as a society is telling people to go into different fields that don't pay when you're going in this much debt. Yeah. That's just common sense. Wow. Speaking of money, uh, for my story today, this was from Daily Wire. The headline, Woke Disney lost almost $900 million on their last eight films. So we're not talking about market share from their subscriber plan, you know, for their channel. We're not talking about that. We're just talking about the last eight movies. Okay. So an analyst from YouTube uh, measured the performances of Lightyear, Thor, Love and Thunder, Strange World, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Ant-Man and Wasp, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Little Mermaid, and Elemental. And they matched the film's performance against their marketing budgets in the trailing 12 months leading up. So mm -hmm. to see what the return on investment was. And in the end, it's lost $900 million. Golly. You know, if you go back, I would love to see these numbers 10 years ago. And you say, okay, let's look at the last eight Disney films, how they did. It was printing money. Absolutely it was. What's the difference? I think there's there's two things. One, uh, it is the wokeism. That's a big part of it. Yep. Not even to me it's it's not even outright animosity towards the woke stuff. It's just people are tired of getting preached at. And, I agree. And that's that's what it is. So it's like, you know what, I'm gonna pass on that. The other thing is burnout on superhero movies. I think that's a real thing. You're probably right. I mean, I liked them for a long time, but then it's like, you know, these are a lot alike. Yeah. It's okay. But, yeah, especially with the Pixar stuff, with yeah. the woke messages for the kids, those things have bombed. It's just been disastrous. Okay, there's other stuff to get to. I'll tell you what. You're talking about money and crazy amounts of money. There's a Nicolas Cage story I think you'll find amazing. <laughs> and that guy spent some money on stupid things. Also, January 6th, yes, it was planned ahead of time. What did the feds know? Next. The Morkley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Morkley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. David, you might remember January 6th. Oh, yeah, the day that was actually worse than 9-11. And Pearl That's what Harbor. we were told. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it an all-out attempted coup? That's that what we heard, yeah. An all out attempted coup. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's still hilarious, isn't it? Especially when you see what Wagner Group was doing in Russia last weekend. They're yes. like on the march, they're shooting down airplanes. <laughs> right. And whatnot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, some yokels going into the capital. <laughs> That's obviously the same. Remember at the time, say, do you understand what a real insurrection looks like? <laughs> it involves menacing dudes with guns. Yes, it's not Chewbacca guy, <laughs> the QAnon shaman, saying, yeah, we'll leave here in a minute. We just want to just take our time in here, you know? Yeah, that dude. Anyway, I don't know if you heard about this. Senators from the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee 
including some Democrats, more on that in a second, uh, became the latest on uh, Tuesday, yesterday, to report that the security failures on January 6th um, were right from the feds. It's kind of crazy. We A lot of this you already know because we've talked about it before. But when you actually have committee chairman Senator Gary Peters, Democrat from Michigan, saying in a news release, my report shows there was a shocking failure of imagination from these intelligence agencies to take these threats seriously. And there is no question that their failures to effectively analyze and share the threat information contributed to the fail- failures to prevent respond to the attack that unfolded at the Capitol. No, it wasn't a failure. It worked exactly as the feds wanted it to. I believe that, too. Really do. Um So, again, I think a lot of people, you hear January 6th and their eyes just kind of glaze over like, okay, what now? But, again, officials estimate, what, 800 people out of that massive crowd breached the Capitol grounds and building? But it's more than 1,000 people charged with crimes linked to January 6th. So you have this guy, Peters, and other Senate committee members saying that federal law enforcement repeatedly downplayed threat levels, struggled to monitor open-source intelligence, including social media, and failed to coordinate frontline security personnel prepared to defend the Capitol. And I rarely hear anyone bring this up with Pelosi, but it says in the story before the rally, Trump asked former acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller to position National Guard troops in Washington to protect his supporters but requests to use the National Guard to protect Congress were reportedly turned down by former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And again, why, David? Oh, because they wanted it to happen. Right. That's that's what you're left with in the end. Because, dude, we've said it a million times, it feels like. We talked about it the week leading up to it. All the different threats that were out there was being reported on. Well, when the the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, was saying, okay, we're bringing in the National Guard, but... They're just going to be on traffic duty, no guns. I'm like, right. you, you better have someone there just in case because you're getting 100,000 people uh, gathered in Washington, D.C. Somebody's going to probably do something crazy. You might as well be able to stop it. Yes, of course. It's nuts. Oh, I mentioned Nicholas Cage in a money story. Okay. So he has had money issues throughout, you know, his career. He would spend money on crazy stuff. It's pretty well documented. I'd never heard this one before. And I don't know if you had either. Um, Minnie Driver, the actress, said she was once on a plane with Nicolas Cage and his son. And his son had an imaginary friend. Nicolas Cage purchased a seat for the imaginary friend, too. What kind of money do you have to have to say, I'll play along. So your imaginary friend there, Fred, we're going to get Fred a seat, too. The imaginary friend got pulled away by the TSA, too. (laughs) That's incredible. Wow. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robert Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. 
Let's do it. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. One of the big stories out there, that IRS whistleblower who led the probe into Hunter Biden telling CBS News that there were, quote, steps we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to the president. Yeah. It, this even predates the Biden administration, he says. Yes. That people yeah. within the DOJ were like, no, 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 no. We're not going to go after Joe here, okay? This clip is worth hearing again to just dissect it down, and you can set it up, David. Yeah, so you got this guy, the, the Shapley, who's a whistleblower uh, from the IRS, still works at the IRS, who's explaining uh, the tax um, irregularities like, you know, Hunter Biden expensing his hookers. <laughs> yeah. What are those expenses again? Yeah, yeah. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses, prostitutes, sex club memberships, hotel rooms for purported drug dealers. And Shapley. Okay. Sex club memberships. Yeah. Who feels like you just got to go wash your hands or yeah. take a shower when you hear that? Well, that that's the whole thing when when you have people, uh, liberals out there defending Hunter, saying, hey, man, look, look, like millions of Americans, he had a drug problem. He's still a good guy. No, objectively, Hunter Biden is not a good guy. He no. has not led the life of an honorable man. And that continues to this day with his daughter that... Now it's gone from $25,000 a month or whatever it was, or $20,000 a month to under $5,000 a month in child support. And they're fighting it. It's not yeah. like the Biden family doesn't have the money. Yeah. He's not a good guy. No. No. It's one of those where you try to take yourself out of it and say, okay, change the name. And I just read a story about this person, and here's the story. Good guy or not? No. Of course not, but the CBS report goes on. And Shapley told lawmakers that U.S. Attorney Weiss was blocked from bringing stronger charges. But U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said last week that Weiss was not. What? I'm saying he was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. I documented exactly what happened, and it doesn't seem to match what the Attorney General or the U.S. Attorney are saying today. Which one's lying? Well, the thing is, is that this guy actually has emails written at the time where uh basically they're they're being told to not follow up on leads that may lead to joe biden i mean you're talking about uh not going after felony charges against hunter biden for things that a lot of people have been sent to prison for um yeah you brought that up several times and that is spot on that is true and the report goes on. Shapley, who is still working for the IRS, told us that even before President Biden took office, he was directed to avoid leads involving Hunter's father. There were certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. And you wanted to take them? We needed to take them. And you weren't allowed to take them? That's correct. And I know that I seem to make a big deal out of CBS reporting on this. It, I just want to know why. Why them and no one else? Just out of curiosity. And you know the White House is ticked off about it. Mm -hmm. Because now you just can't have the narrative, well, it's Fox News or it's OAN yeah. or you know, Newsmax or one of these far-right outlets, blah, blah, blah. No, that's CBS News reporting that. Yeah. It, it does mean something to some people. So keep an eye on that story. Meanwhile, Russia, what a crazy week. <laughs> Golly, no kidding. Whew.
So you had over the weekend uh, Wagner Group, a, a truly reprehensible private army. Mm-hmm. That ha- I mean, they they're they're bad guys, you know. Okay, they they make they make Hunter Biden look like a look look like an angel. Right. True. Uh, they decided over the weekend they were going to march on Moscow in protest of how the war has been going. And there was a lot of speculation about what exactly was going to happen when they got to Moscow. Well, they worked out some sort of agreement, uh, Vladimir Putin did, and the leader of uh, the Wagner group. And uh, and so they just turned around. And now the guy who leads it is kind of on the run. And <laughs> there's they're, they're, they're saying that, hey, we're letting him flee uh, in exile, but we're not going to do anything to him. But, I mean, this guy's probably going to be getting a poisoned milkshake sometime very soon. Well, the dude does look like, I mean, not just a Bond villain, but yeah. like, you know, a Russian adversary from some 80s movie. Right. He just looks the part. <laughs> right. It's really uncanny, does. really. Got his start owning a hot dog stand, of all things, too. Yeah, something, Isn't that huh? a wild thing? Yeah, so uh, the question, though, is uh, how much did that attempted insurrection weaken Vladimir Putin's power and grip of power in Russia? And that remains yet to be determined. I, I you know, you really don't know, because at the end of the day, he did turn the guy away without mm-hmm. firing a shot. Well, I yeah. mean, there were actually shots fired. I mean, there were, there were bombs dropped. <laughs> yes. Planes got shot down and whatnot, but without some sort of battle in Moscow. Right. Um, so... You know, again, what what exactly happened? So the president today, uh, our president, Joe Biden, was asked, hey, what do you think about uh, what's happening in Russia? Do you think that Putin may be coming out of this much weaker than he was before this past weekend? Give us your thoughts on this, Joe. And just remember, before you hear the clip, Joe Biden has suffered from a stutter for his entire life. (laughs) Oh, come on. All right, roll it. It's hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. And he is uh, coming to the fly around the world. He's losing the war in Iraq. Got it. Did you know Russia invaded Iraq, too? Uh, not recently. <laughs> that is breaking news right here. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mark Levain, Camp and Robbins exclusive. <laughs> war in Iraq, you say? Wow. He does that a lot, man. Yes, he does. But I, no one really did say that's because of an old stutter, did they? No, I don't think so. There, there were there were a couple of print journalists who didn't share the full video, but they took out uh, in Iraq in the transcript. Really? They just wrote that Joe Biden said Putin is clearly losing the war. <sighs> in Iraq, that seems like a pretty important detail to leave in, right? That that the president doesn't know what country. We're sending billions of dollars to in defense against a Russian invasion. Yeah, he gets it all mixed up sometimes. And there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, one of those over there. Yeah. You know the thing. <laughs> Come on. I talked to a couple of people uh, that actually voted for Biden uh, last time around that actually make fun of the whole stutter narrative yeah it's like the guy never stuttered all through the 80s <laughs> 90s the 2000 through vice presidency really all of a sudden it came back to him yeah come on who's buying that like yeah i don't think anybody's buying that uh you have an update on anheuser-busch david yeah anheuser-busch has fired two marketing executives who were placed on leave after destroying the bud light brand with that advertising campaign 
featuring uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Not really advertising campaign. I guess they were partnering for some sort of, you know, uh, Instagram and TikTok uh, uh, ad partnership with with this person. Call it whatever you want. Advertising, brand awareness, yeah. blah, 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 whatever. So, according to the Daily Caller, Group Vice President for Marketing Daniel Blake and Bud Light Marketing VP uh, Alyssa Heinerscheid are gone, gone after initially being placed on leave. Now, the interesting thing is that sources are telling the Daily Caller that, uh, you know, Daniel Blake wound up kind of being a sacrificial lamb since he didn't have anything to do with that, but he did hire the lady who who went forward with it. So, you know, sometimes your hires do get you fired. Yes, that is true, you know. You're fired, mm-hmm. Bob. Oh, I heard that in a while. I like that one. Well, listen, man, I don't know how you come back from that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you were going to relate it to sports, it's, you know, different people that, you know, made some sort of play that lost this critical game. And then a lot of times they will get released because it, it was too painful for the fan base, whatever it might be. I mean, a marketing decision here, or you have the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to come back in to the next meeting. Hey, <laughs> uh, brainstorming, who's got any ideas? Yeah. And the person that came up with the Mulvaney idea says, hey, I got a couple of fresh ones. Who's taking that serious? Seriously. <laughs> But at the same time, someone had to write off on it mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and approve this. Yeah. So, yeah, really, they all have to go. Yeah. And well, I don't know if they're ever going to make the apology. I mean, you have to, right? But, they're, but they actually don't want to publicize that the person was fired mm-hmm. because they're afraid of the alphabet mafia going after them now. And I just think, remember your customer base. You don't have to. Nobody's asking you to be openly hostile towards anyone who's gay. Nobody's no. Nobody's making not. that argument. But no. it, it's the activist class. You can distance yourself from them and not lose a bunch of market share. But then, yeah, and then I go to the next level of questions, which comes to okay, how much of this does have to do with ESG? And a point score, mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that makes sense, because you have so many companies losing millions of dollars in market share. But what, you've got people up at the top earning bonuses because of the ESG scores? Mm-hmm. It's it's really a sort of crazy thing. All right, you have got some story about a dude that scared away a date. What's this yeah. from? This poor guy, he's gone viral with his story about not getting a second date with a woman. And he's complaining. And I just, I feel like uh, you you pitched the idea of having a reality show where we go and we find this hapless, hopeless dude and just try to say, hey, man, here's how you can maybe attract a member of the opposite sex if you are so inclined. Oh, yeah. This guy. We'll talk about a guy he knows. Yes. That's in that category. Yes. So this is like a guy that would fit into that sort of mold? I think so. Yes. All right. Roll it out there. So I went on a first date with this girl. We were getting along, and then she asked me, hey, what's your past relationship experience like? I was being very honest, and I told her, I've never had a girlfriend before in my life. And then she laughs a little, and then when we get home, I message her, hey, I had a good time. I'd love to see you again. And she never responds. And then I take a quick look at her Hinge profile, and I see that she's updated one of her prompts. My most irrational fear is being someone's first girlfriend. <sighs> What are people like me supposed to do? Were there relationship internships I was supposed to apply for or something? Oh, boy. First of all, stop sounding like Butthead from Beavis and Butthead. 
That, that's that's your seriously. He does. Doesn't he sound like a sad sack version of that character? What are people like me supposed to do? <laughs> yes, what are people, he does. people like me now supposed to do, Beavis? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because and you'd have to tell him in love. You'd say, "Listen, I'm here to help, not to hurt." But yeah, the Beavis and Butthead thing's got to go. <laughs> For one, do we know how old the guy is? I think he's in his early twenties. Okay. All right. You know, I don't know that you have to say never had a serious girlfriend. Yeah. You know, have dated before. Yeah. You know, just ha if you say just haven't found the one, mm -hmm. that's saying the same thing, but it's not. I've never been serious with somebody before. <laughs> either they, David, either you avoid that or you lean into it and you talk like yeah. that through the entire date. <laughs> Hey, baby. <laughs> hey. We're going to score. <laughs> All right. Oh, we got to get to the story of the uh, Muslims showing up to protest the LGBTQ curriculum at a school. Next. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today, back tomorrow. Well, this is interesting. You knew this was a matter of time, David. Uh, yeah, and it's been happening more and more often. Uh, there was a big protest at a Maryland school board meeting because parents wanted the ability to opt out of the LGBTQ, LMNOP, Alpha, Epsilon, Boron curriculum. Um, that's all they want. Mm -hmm. And the school board is looking at banning the opt-out option for these particular <laughs> lessons. All they want is to be able to take their kids out of these particular lessons. That's it. That's not unreasonable. Absolutely not. Uh, leading the charge in Montgomery County Public Schools are Muslim parents who showed up to protest yesterday. They actually limited public access because of safety concerns. Please. Got it. Now, one of the women uh, who spoke is a, a woman named uh, Samira Munshi. All right, roll it. We reject the implication that acting on our faith's principles is a willful means of harming others. In fact, we see it as a point of bigotry that some only care for our community and will only protect our rights when we assimilate to their way of life and ways of thinking. Oh, yes. Absolutely true. Our faith is not partisan, and our people are not backwards. Many of our families don't have much of a choice whether to place their children in this public setting. So we ask that we at least have a choice uh, for our children not to be forced to participate in celebrating or normalizing views that contradict our religion. So in the past, the left has bent a lot to protect the Muslim faith. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. But now the rules are changing? Why is that? Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I mean, now the left is saying, including at this school district, they're out there saying that uh, Muslims who are protesting are joining the ranks of white supremacists, which I don't know what white supremacy <laughs> has to do with LGBTQ curriculum, but okay. It makes it, no it's sense. coming down the crazy lefties with yeah. anything. Well, it's the patriarchy and white supremacy. Yeah. That's anything they disagree with. It's like the same playbook. It goes there time and time again. Um, I know you have this clip. Um, switching gears a little to the mayor of Miami who's running for president. Yeah. This was a bad moment for him. Yeah, it was Francisco Suarez running for president as a Republican stepped in it this week during an interview on the Hugh Hewitt show. 
He was asked about the Uyghurs in China. This is the ethnic minority that China is locking up in concentration camps. Yeah. Will you be talking about the Uyghurs in your campaign? What, the what? The Uyghurs. Uh-oh. What's a Uyghur? Okay, we'll come back to that. Uh, let me, you won't be, you got to get smart on that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Well, you know, I I like the authenticity yeah. of him not knowing and not pretending when he says what the what what the what <laughs> the what the Uyghurs huh what's a Uyghur uh oh yeah well he tried to defend himself on Twitter saying I didn't recognize the pronunciation my friend Hugh Hewitt used <laughs> what <laughs> what other pronunciation have you heard. Dude, you just got to own that like Gary Johnson did with yeah. Aleppo in 2016. What is Aleppo? What is Aleppo? What? And what and what and what is Aleppo? Ah. Oh, okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Remember that time that Gary Johnson dude, he touched his tongue, the weird thing? <laughs> I think I could sign up there for the whole day. <laughs> I miss Gary Johnson. Yeah, me too. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. Okay, biggest story of the day, David. Biggest story of the day is more whistleblower testimony uh, about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and their little business arrangement in which IRS officials are saying, yeah, we weren't allowed to pursue felony charges against the president's son. And yeah, uh, the prosecutor who was looking into this was not the one who was the final decision maker. That is, man. That's a big story. Okay, Mark. got it. Got it. <laughs> yes, Gary yes. Johnson. Now you can't get rid of the guy. Yes. <laughs> and what is the IRS? <laughs> we care about the environment. Oh, yeah, he was the environment guy. Speaking of which, electric vehicles. Do you know how much money they're losing? Car companies? Mm. We'll get to that and much more coming up right here. The Morsley Bank Camp and Robert Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer. He's out today. He'll be back tomorrow. He's being a good son. He's helping out mom today. Nice guy. Mm -hmm. David, Trump is saying, hey, this whole leaked audio thing, a lot of bravado there. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, CNN, just in time, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, as more and more information is coming out about Joe Biden's corruption with his son, this audio gets leaked of... <laughs> It's unreal. Donald Trump, apparently a little while ago, after he left office, I guess 2021, uh, talking at Bedminth Bedminster with a writer, a publisher, a couple of staffers, defending himself against the claim that Mark Milley was afraid that he was going to bomb Iran after the election to try to change the conversation or to try to remain in power or something. And Mark Milley was going to stand up to the president of the United States and not follow orders. So yes. he's talking to them about this, and you can hear on the audio tape, okay, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, Millie wanted to bomb Iran. This was Millie's idea. I, whatever. You know, he's going through the whole thing. Yes. And like part of what was, you know, in that classified document. This is a tough guy. Right. 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 Now, he said uh, during comments to Semaphore, I would say it was bravado. If you want to know the truth, it was bravado. I was talking and just holding up papers and talking to them about it, but I had no documents. I didn't have any documents. And that seems to be the defense that he's going to go with, that at least in this particular instance, which is probably the most damning of everything in the federal indictment against him related to this, 
that yes, he wasn't. You bring actually, up an interesting point. Yeah, that he wasn't actually showing them classified documents, but in fact was showing them news articles about both what Milley had said after the election and what had been reported before the election. And then saying, well, I could have declassified all of it and, and showed you, but I, I, I can't do that now because I'm not president. And the interesting part of this is, at least according to CBS News, uh, the intelligence in question dealing with Iran, some memo that was drafted, is not part of the evidence that the prosecutors are bringing. So, so, so in the end, what do you make of that? Uh what I think is th- that the prosecution is just narrative building and saying, yep. see, he was talking about classified information. And really, it's not about this particular instance being the, the nail in the coffin, but it's more his acknowledgement that he could not declassify things after leaving office. Yes. So if you can't use it as evidence, mm-hmm. but boy, you can sure use it to leak it and it will oh, sound sure. bad to people. Yeah. And it might get people off the Biden family corruption story. Oh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, man. Wow. Trump is the opposite of an exaggerator. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard that clip in a long time. That's a classic. Exaggerating and bravado, that's different. Mm -hmm. Well, it can be the same, but I would say it's different Mm -hmm. in this case. Okay. Um, Oh, I mentioned... That there was a story out about electric vehicles losing a lot of money for car manufacturers. Mm. I don't know if you happen to see this. Um, and the Wall Street Journal had this story, different outlets reporting on it, that well, Ford is in a bit of a pickle. And it's because of the electric vehicles. Um, they're planning on laying off at least 1,000 salaried employees and contract workers in North America. Well, wait a minute, though. I've heard right. Joe Biden talk about how these are going to be good-paying union jobs. Well, not so fast. Not really, because you're losing a lot of money. Um, the story says the automaker's latest effort to defray the heavy cost of investing in electric cars. Um, but when you get into this, Ford has said it expects to lose $3 billion in operating profit on its EVs business this year. Okay, if we didn't have this story and I was just making conversation off air, David, I'm like, how much you suppose like Ford's making off electric vehicles with the big push going that way? I mean, I I would have guessed better than losing three billion. Yeah, I would have guessed maybe breaking even at this point because there just isn't enough demand out there because the cost isn't low enough for most Americans to switch over to the electric vehicle thing. I, you know. It's a good thing, though, that Uncle Joe just gave them billions of dollars in tax credits. <laughs> Not just He'd, Ford, but everybody. Right. Except Tesla. Yeah. Not so much Tesla. Yeah, and Biden was just talking a little bit earlier uh, today about how they're turning the economy around. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, it's roaring back. Yes. A bit of a mixed message from Joe, <laughs> yeah. but I guess that's what you've sort of come to expect. Um, uh, talking about, you know, electric vehicles, the climate, green energy, all of that stuff. You've got a clip here, David. Yeah. Well, New York is looking at forcing pizzerias to curb the use of wood or coal-fired ovens 
put in major upgrades. If you are going to have wood-fired pizza, which is a specialty uh, yes. of, of many pizzerias. Um, now they love it. People love it. Yeah, there's a conservative artist and activist named Scott Lobato who showed up at <clears throat> excuse me, New York City Hall and threw a bunch of pizzas at the building in protest. He, <laughs> he called it the New York Pizza Party. Now, he was on uh, KTSA Radio in San Antonio this morning talking to Trey Ware and uh, talked about the insanity of the climate cult. And I really just, this guy cracks me up, okay? He cracks me up. All right, roll it. This is the beauty of the insanity. The same people that are trying to save the whales are killing the whales by putting these giant windmills in the ocean, okay? <laughs> the birds, the eagles, the exotic birds that these windmills kill. It's not a joke. I mean, it's serious. These are the same people wanting to save these creatures are killing them. And what happens when those windmills die out? You think they just uh, dismantle them, put them in a little suitcase, and send them off on a unicorn up into space? That's hilarious. <laughs> we got more of the clip left. I had to stop it right there for a second. <laughs> they just, uh, dismantle them, put them in a little suitcase, and send them off on a unicorn up into space. No, these things leak all sorts of grease and oil. They collapse. They just drop them right into the ocean to destroy the whole underwater environment. It blows your mind. I said at the time, man, Greenpeace is going to have their own pickle to deal with here. What are they choosing on that one? Mm -hmm. And it's not the whales right now. No, they're going bleep the whales. Pretty much. <laughs> Like, oh, this fake news out there about the... What? Fake news? Did you see all the dead whales? Yeah. Like, no, it, that's actually a thing. My goodness. Um, and then there's this story, talking about vehicles. Who rolled back odometers to sell trucks? Oh, FedEx has been named in a lawsuit accusing them of rolling back the odometers of thousands of their trucks. So when they retire them from the fleet, of course, then they, they sell them off for... Uh, uh, things like food trucks, other delivery vehicles, other companies that may want to get a good discount on a truck like that. Uh, Tom Layton is a used truck dealer that found out about what would be the largest odometer fraud scheme in American history. Wow. Over the last several years, I've noticed that some of the commercial trucks that have been going through my dealership had uh, issues with the odometers. Uh, the FedEx contractor contacted me and said, hey, what are you trying to pull here? And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I took this into Freightliner and had the vehicle hooked up to their computer, and it has over 400,000 miles, and your odometer says 180,000 miles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, no. <laughs> That's... I guess not surprising, but it is in a way. Yeah. How many people just cheat? Just cheat if they have the opportunity. A lot of them. Have you, have you heard these stats before? I was having a conversation with some people last night, and they said, and I, I don't even know where they got it, but it was 10% of the people will try to cheat no matter what. Okay? And 10% of people would never cheat, again, no matter what. 80% of people would cheat, whatever it is, if given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And as the conversation was rolling, there were people reacting to that, saying, that's so depressing. My goodness, is that what you would think it would be? Is that sound about right, David? I, th I think they're, they're yeah, I, I could see that, where there is a, a small minority of people who would never do it and another minority of people who do it just because they like it. Mm -hmm. They enjoy getting one over on somebody. Yeah. 
I think that 80%, though, is more like it depends what the stakes are. And what the situation and is. And what the situation like is. Like what category yeah. it's in. Yeah, that's probably true. Facts, my goodness. Yeah. And I suppose, okay, you're found guilty. You pay a fine, mm-hmm. right? Does anyone really go to jail? Oh, no. I don't okay. think so. So whatever the fine is, as much money as they've made off of that, mm-hmm. it may be a wash. Right. That's what's so frustrating in so many of these cases, well, especially yeah. when you're talking about pharmaceutical companies. Right. How much money is paid out? Well, it's worth It's like, you know, the risk investment on that. Well, yeah, the Sacklers can poison a generation of Americans and walk away and, and you know, pay out a hefty fine. But in the end, they're still set for life. Yes. Yeah, that's the depressing part of it. Um, Another story out there, because a lot of people are freaked out about artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you happen to see this, um, but it was people saying, you know, the one thing about AI, it's going to be able to do a lot of things, but there's going to be a number of things we'll still be better at than AI even 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Like a whole list of things, like close to 15, Um, like caring for kids and the elderly. Think that's true? Probably. I think it'll be normalized that AI and they're already rolling that out there. Robot nurses. Yeah, have heard that. Um, Providing emotional companionship. Uh, Yeah. Depends on the people you're dealing with, but more times than not, I think that's true. Uh, Being a therapist. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because the AI would just tell you to jump off a bridge. Well, I, I, I think it would be a lot of tough love. <laughs> you keep shooting yourself in the foot. You are your own worst enemy. Stop screwing up. Said making complex ethical decisions. Yeah, yeah. probably. Cooking? Yeah, if you got no taste buds. Well, you're talking about fine dining at that point, aren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Like specific stuff? Because I'm guessing AI is better than me today. <laughs> at a number of things when it comes to cooking. Um, writing novels, poetry. Mm. Again, it depends on who's the poet, yeah. doesn't it? And it depends on who the audience is. That's true, too. Because you're talking not just where AI is right now. You're talking 10 years yeah. from now. Um, choosing job candidates. Uh, teaching college classes. Yeah. Uh, performing surgery. I still don't know that. You start to think about it, yeah. don't you? Customer service. Dude, robots have been doing customer service for years. I was going to say, how often can you actually get a human on the phone? <laughs> That's some of people's biggest complaints right there. They get very interesting. All right, much more to get to. Um, oh, we got to get to a news update. And... Menu anxiety. Is that a thing when people go to restaurants? Really? Get to that. Straight ahead. Yeah. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today, back tomorrow. David, do you remember the court case with E. Jean Carroll? Oh, yeah. And Trump? Trump is now suing her for defamation. (laughs) (laughs) A little news update for you. Trump's lawyers filed a counterclaim in New York federal court listing various instances over the years when Carol accused Trump of raping her. 
Wow. So, yeah, this is going to go on for a while. Yeah, it really is. Because after the case and the jury, and then he did an interview, and E. Jean Carroll was not happy about it. And so then she filed another lawsuit. Yeah, just an update. Because what it was was, again, a civil case. She was suing him for defamation and things like that. They found him liable for, what was it, sexual battery or something like that, but not rape. Right. Um, and so I guess, yeah, if you're, if you're out there saying, Hey, look, you were saying that I raped you. And even with the low bar, uh, when it comes to the burden of proof with a civil case where you don't have to say, yeah, beyond a reasonable doubt, this happened, you have to say, bah, we we're pretty sure maybe something happened. Even with yeah. that, a jury of your peers said the rape never happened. So you've been lying about me. You owe me money. Oh, boy. It's seriously. We do this all the time. It's hard to keep straight. You yeah, do a great job with it, David. It, it, well, I, it's it's hard, yeah. Yeah, it, no doubt about it. Um, oh, I mentioned the term menu anxiety. Is that a thing? People say it is. It's when you're at a restaurant, everyone's ready to order except you. I've seen it. I've seen that play out before. I mean, I know people who will say, I'll go last. I want to hear yeah. what everybody's going to order. Or I'll figure it out. I don't know yeah. yet, but by the time it comes to me, I'll have it figured out. Does everything have to have the anxiety tag on it now? Not, Just asking. Not to me. I mean, I don't. But then again, at a restaurant, I, I really never have that. So, I mean, I maybe if it's a really expensive restaurant, I don't go to those very often. Maybe uh, not really anxiety. It's more like, man, I, I want to make sure I'm getting bang for my buck. I want to make sure that I'm really enjoying something and maybe multiple things look good. Yeah, or it could be, all right, I know what I like. Yeah. I've never tried, you know, A or B. I'd like to try it, but I do. I try it today. Yeah. That sort of thing. 41% of people in their 20s, 30s, and early 40s get anxious compared to 15% of people older than that. Yeah. You youngins are an anxious bunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I, I've told you the story before. There is somebody that um, I was around a few years ago who had to have his mom order for him. What? At a restaurant. This is a guy, he was like 19 or 20. Because he, he got overwhelmed at the menu options. And he, he, yeah, he also. Okay, and I mean this, I seriously, dude, <laughs> I mean this like respectfully. Yeah. Is, is there some like disability or. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. What age do you say, hey, no, you got to order for yourself? <laughs> well. How are you going to make it in the world if you can't know. place the order? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Did they get over that? Are they uh, still no. like No. The, that person called his mom also asking, "What do I order at Starbucks?" Cuz he doesn't drink coffee. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and the whole world just got sadder. <laughs> this is the Markley Van Camp and Robert show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. 
Okay, a lot to get to. Um, one thing for it's sure. Hard to tell, but he's clearly losing the war in Iraq. He's losing the war at home. Putin is losing the war in Iraq. Yes, he is. That's breaking news. Apparently so. But they're at war with Iraq. They're at war, but evidently so. Yes. Okay. A little slip. Don't be overly critical. Yeah. You knew what he meant. It's a stutter. No problem. Of course it is. Um, meanwhile, former President Donald Trump saying, hey, why should I be worried about these leaked recordings? Yeah, so we know CNN was the first one to get this audio of Donald Trump talking about a plan to attack, uh, attack Iran. And uh, this is supposed to be the thing that takes him down. The context, again, is he's talking to a writer about Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley who said after the election he was prepared to overrule Trump if he wanted to launch a military strike. And in this piece of audio, Trump's explaining, well, it was actually Milley who wanted to launch this strike against Iran. His argument right now is that he wasn't showing off actual classified intelligence. He was showing people newspaper articles and saying, I could have exposed more of this if I'd wanted to. But now mm -hmm. I can't because I'm not president. I can't declassify this stuff. And notably, again, the prosecution going after him right now is not including whatever the memo is that, that details plans to attack Iran. They're not including that in the evidence. So, Well, that, isn't that the biggest question? Why? Yeah, cause I, I think they're just including the audio for the same reason they included quotes of Trump on the campaign trail in 2016. They're, they're saying this shows or demonstrates that Trump knew that he could not keep classified information. Okay. I think that's the goal here, but that's not what was that's not how it was painted out. That's not how it was how it was shown to be. It was like, oh yeah, he's literally showing uh classified documents and Trump's like a argument, smoking gun. Yeah, Trump's argument is no, I wasn't. We'll see who's right in the end, I guess, but uh this is from an interview with Fox News Digital where he's talking about uh, whether or not he should be worried about these these audio clips that that have come out. Okay, you're not concerned then with your own voice on those on those recordings. My voice was fine. What did I say wrong on those recordings? I didn't even see the recording. All I know is I did nothing wrong. We had a lot of papers, a lot of papers stacked up. In fact, you could hear the rustle of the paper, and nobody said I did anything wrong, other than the fake news, which of course is Fox too. Are there any other recordings that hmm. we should be concerned of? Uh, I don't know of any recordings that you should be re, uh, concerned with because I don't do things wrong. I do things right. I'm a legitimate person. I'm not like Biden that gets hundreds of millions of dollars from people and countries and says uh, we won't give a billion dollars, but you got to get rid of the prosecutor. And then guys like you don't do anything about it because nothing happens. Now, we do things right, so I don't care about any recordings. Oh, man. In the end, dude, I always feel like it piles up with the suburban female voter. That it's like this onslaught, one thing after another, after another, after another. And Trump needs people that voted for him in 2016 that didn't vote for him in 2020 to come back and vote for him. And whether he steps in it or not, because some of the mistakes that he has made, you know, are his own fault. Has he been treated unfairly? Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. I hope we never see anything like it again. But, man, it's going to be tough to overcome all of this in the general if he wins the primary. That's all I can think. Oh, yeah, certainly. And, and again, uh, 
you know, talk to some of these January 6th defendants about what the federal government is willing to do and the lengths they're willing to go to if they want to put you in prison. This is why, again, even though I think he has a lot of wiggle room with this audio now being released in a broader context yeah, uh, from a legal perspective, perhaps, but... You know, if they say they've got evidence, uh, it really doesn't matter if it's a witch hunt. It really doesn't matter what the court of public opinion says. What matters is what the jury says. And they may have him dead to rights. Whether you think that's right or wrong, that's up to you. I think this is ridiculous. I agree with what what you just said, Jamie, in that I hope we never see something like this happen again to another president. But, I mean, that's where I, I would be worried if I were Trump. Well, I mean, the whole democracy dies in darkness, you know, nonsense from left-wing media. Dude, I mean, seriously, part of it's died. If you just step back and look at it and say, no, man, you do have a deep state that can influence the outcome of an election. Mm -hmm. We saw it happen. It's, It's already happened. So, yeah, you hope it doesn't happen again, but something has to be done about the intelligence agencies and the, quote, deep state. And I know for some people that still sounds crazy, but it's been proven that is real. And until that stops, I don't know that we have a fair election. No. You're saying you're not going to trust the outcome of an election? Yeah, people still freaking out over that. Well, it's hard for people to trust it one way or another. And sometimes it could be legally stole. But yeah, we've seen it happen. Uh, did you see the polling, by the way? On Kamala Harris. Speaking of polling, man, oh man, the worst of any vice president since 1995. Yeah. And I, I guess it should not be a surprise, but when you see you go back that long, you're like, wow. Okay. I mean, the way she talks, you know, in circles is certainly fodder for comedy mm-hmm. here and other places. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Yeah. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. The whole thing about time, every day, time, passage of time, and And, all that. um, Okay, that's all right. Talking about the significance of the passage of time. Right. The significance of the passage of time. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, yeah. there is great significance to the passage of time yeah. in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. They're trying so hard right. to say something epic. Mm-hmm. And it's bad dinner theater. I don't know if it was you or Robbins that said that, but it stuck with me, and it's true. Yeah, to me, it's not so much bad dinner theater as it is someone stuck a motivational poster in a blender (laughs) and dumped out the contents in my ear. That's a great take. Yes. Uh, Poll this month, 32% of registered voters have a positive view of Kamala Harris. Brutal. And honestly, when I see that, I'm surprised it's that high. Well, that's because there have been enough media outlets running cover for her. That's true. Really. And you think about the amount of effort and time that so many legacy media outlets have have put in to try to boost her image. I mean, even going back to uh, 2019, 
when she was running for president. They yes. worked so hard to make her into this inspirational figure. But at the end of the day, what are the results? What People see through it. A lot they of do. people wind up seeing through it. CNN picked her as a front runner when she announced it. Yeah. And, I mean, it went down in flames. Mm-hmm. She didn't even make it to Iowa. Nope. And it mentions in this story, you know, you had, you know, the former White House chief of staff, Ron Klain, and people like Jimmy Kimmel defending her, saying, you know, it's racism and sexism. That's the factors. That's why people don't like her. Give me a break with that. With with African-Americans in the primary before she dropped out, she was polling about the same as Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, she was at the very bottom, like 2% or less. Yeah. Yeah. So you go back in these ratings. And it says, okay, 32%, 49 negative. The net negative minus 17. How does it compare? The only other vice president to have a negative split, Mike Pence, 34% positive, 38% negative. That was October 19. Um, Biden barely made it into positive territory December 2010. His rating as vice president, 34% positive, 33% negative. Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. Think of what people think of Dick Cheney now. Oh, yeah. Or even then what liberals said about him. I mean, they compared him to Darth Vader. Yes. May 2003 had a plus 23 split. I saw, That was the most amazing thing to me in the whole story. <laughs> Riding high on Iraq and uh, ex- exploration in the Middle East. I mean, yeah. Yes. March 95, Al Gore, a 42% positive rating. I'm going to save this story for Robbins tomorrow. Put that in the save <laughs> well, well, I mean, with all, with all these people, though, I mean, the vice president's job is just to not mess it up for the president. Pretty that, much. That's really yes. what it is. Yes. Um, can you tell me how we could do better as a country as far as healing any sort of racism in nature, David? <laughs> I know that's a broad question. Yeah, sure. And one out of nowhere, but I saw the headline. Yeah. You had the story. National, what is this? National Institutes of Health is spending $1.4 million for an anti-racist healing in nature study. What? The study's being done by San Francisco State University. It started in September of 2021, and it's supposed to wrap up uh, this August. Um, now the obligated funding for the research was just over a million dollars, but there's been an update to the agreement that started earlier this month. Uh, and it notes that an additional $387,000 has been provided, bringing the total to 1.4 million. The title of the study is formally, uh, examining anti-racist healing in nature to protect, uh, telomeres of transitional age, BIPOC for health equity. Uh, they say that racial health disparities likely persist due to racism and discrimination that increases chronic stress and limits access to the social determinants of health. Okay. 1.4 million. Yeah. That study. Okay. Nice. Now, you had audio of an activist. Yeah. That is highly entertaining. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about this uh, this week that New York is looking at rules that would curb uh, whether or not you could have a coal or wood fired oven to bake pizzas. Mm-hmm. And, well, a lot of people in New York are not happy with that. It's almost like, wow, uh, maybe some of y'all should 
not vote for the green weenie crowd, huh? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Weird, huh? So a uh, conservative artist and activist, Scott Le- uh, Lobato, showed up at City Hall, threw a bunch of pizzas at the building in protest, called into Trey Ware's show on KTSA in San Antonio this morning, mm-hmm. and talked about why he did it. Roll it. In Boston, they tossed tea. Mm. To make a statement, Monday I tossed pizza, and uh, that was the New York pizza party. You know, we got this thing in the sky. I mean, I don't know if you heard me say it. It's it's huge. It's called the sun. And every once in a while, she gets pissy. And whether it was a million years ago, 50 years ago, or yesterday, she controls the climate. She controls the thermostat on this little planet called Earth. It ain't. The pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Climate denier! (laughs) That is hilarious. No doubt about it. Um, Man, there's a lot more to get to. you got to get to a news update. (laughs) If you've listened to this show, you know David's told Scott that Major League Baseball hates him. I think we have proof of it. Mm -hmm. Next. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. News update, David yeah. Van Camp. Um, so uh, we all remember the tragedy in Allen, Texas, the Allen uh, Premium Outlet Mall. Yes. Uh, nut job went and, and opened fire there. And there had been a, a police officer who was at the mall on an unrelated call. Um, and the police officer that responded wound up killing the shooter neutralizing yes. the threat as part of normal procedure uh the evidence is brought into a grand jury just to to review what happened they mm-hmm. returned no bill meaning no indictment obviously the guy was taking out a mass shooter so no problem there and they have released the body cam footage um i just watched it just reviewed it um uh, it is remarkable how quickly that officer responded because he's having a conversation with a woman and a child in the parking lot, and you hear the gunshots off in the distance. Okay. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you hear more gunshots, and he says, all right, you know, tells the, the, the woman, like, get out of the way. I'm going. And he just runs over to the other side of the mall. And from I, it's hard to tell because with the body fo- body cam footage, it's kind of a fisheye lens. It's kind of hard to judge how far away from the, the shooter he was mm-hmm. by the time he rounded the corner and, and spotted him. But it looks like, I mean, I, I would guess somewhere around 30, 40 yards, something like wow. that. Guy's got his rifle. The, the, the police officer does and shoots and uh, multiple times kills the uh, the shooter, the murderer. Um, Thank goodness he was there, man. Yeah, and I know can, a lot of malls have now said, "Okay, we got to have security." Yeah, and uh, I mean, it is just remarkable how quickly that guy wow. and his training kicked in, and he was on the scene um, to do that. So, I mean, it, it's it's a tragedy, but uh, I'm glad that there are good guys out there who can handle a, a crisis situation like that That's in that professional of a manner. Yes. Well. <laughs> I just saw the update, and I mean, it's you knew this was going to happen. Uh, the Marine vet, Daniel Penny, yeah. did plead not guilty to manslaughter and negligent homicide. Yeah. Homicide charges uh, today after being accused of killing Jordan Neely. Okay. Well, and I think you it's were off. It's amazing that he's even charged. I think you may have been off. I, I don't remember now. 
last week there was a story about another guy who uh, stabbed someone who is who had punched his girlfriend and was assaulting him on the subway. That. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Stabbed. Yes. Him, arrested. Charged with murder as well. Dude. No, I mean that's like classic Marxism. Mm-hmm. Destroying the morale of a country. Yeah. It's the only way to explain something that crazy. Um, oh, I mentioned. And I'll say this for when Robbins is back tomorrow, too. How you say, David, Major League Baseball hates you, Scott. Uh-huh. I saw this headline, um, and I'm like, oh, maybe it's true. Major League Baseball is going to, uh, well, in this case, torment fans with Pepsi-flavored ketchup on July 4th Ew. for Major League ballparks. I'm not a ketchup person anyway, but Pepsi-flavored, does that sound good? No, it doesn't. Not at all. I can't wait for Scott's reaction to that <laughs> tomorrow. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. All right, biggest story of the day. Uh, biggest story of the day is, to me at least, Hunter Biden is this this scandal keeps growing with Hunter and Joe, uh, where you have a whistleblower now saying that uh, the Justice Department at every turn was telling them to not go after felony charges against the president's son. And even before Joe Biden was elected president, they were prevented from going down and following leads that would, well, land at Joe Biden's doorstep. Yes, explicitly told, don't follow those leads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and CBS at least is paying attention to it. Because sometimes these stories, it's like they're real, but they don't exist because no one covers it. At least at this point, they are. So we'll get an update on that and much more straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm Jeremy Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins, off today, back tomorrow. So he and Casey will be back tomorrow with the Scott Robbins trifecta. Okay, you mentioned, David, biggest story of the day is the Biden family corruption and the cover-up. Because that's what it looks like. It's a cover-up. I think so, yeah. So you have a whistleblower, Shapley is his last name, from the IRS, who is saying that uh, the federal government pressured him and other investigators into not pursuing felony allegations or felony charges against Hunter Biden. And most significantly, even before Joe Biden was elected as president of the United States, they were telling him, hey, don't go down any roads that might lead to Joe Biden. This is really interesting, man. And I know I'm banging this drum. It's just interesting CBS is reporting on this Mm -hmm. because they seem to be the only legacy media outlet that's doing that and putting this whistleblower on with the interview. And, I mean, listen to what he says. There were personal expenses that were taken as business expenses. Prostitutes, sex club memberships hotel rooms for purported drug dealers and a lot of times that's where the story has been well it's hunter Biden. it's it's the president's son who cares about that i mean it it doesn't have anything to do with joe oh that's always been the story it does have something to do with joe and shapley told lawmakers that u.s attorney weiss was blocked from bringing stronger charges but u.s attorney general merrick garland said last week that Weiss was not. I'm saying he was given complete authority to make all decisions on his own. I documented exactly what happened, and it doesn't seem to match what the attorney general or the U.S. attorney are saying today. So someone's lying there. Yes. 
And then you get to the family corruption. Shapley, who is still working for the IRS, told us that even before President Biden took office, he was directed to avoid leads involving Hunter's father. There were certain investigative steps that we weren't allowed to take that could have led us to President Biden. And you wanted to take them? We needed to take them. And you weren't allowed to take them? That's correct. Okay. And now we have text messages. Mm-hmm. Well, with Joe and Hunter Biden, yeah, where Hunter Biden is uh, is is telling a Chinese person, a Chinese business associate, member of the Communist Party, uh, basically, hey, I'm sitting here with my dad, mm-hmm. and we need to get a call from you or the chairman, uh, or else we're going to make your life a living hell. Yes. Now that text message was from 2017, but then you go back to things that. Former business associate Tony Bobulinski had talked about there was an arrangement where Joe was getting some money. It's also been suggested that that Joe was basically reliant on the income of Hunter Biden in order to live. So it wasn't because you know Joe is is just a meager senator <laughs> and then right. vice president. We had reports of sharing a bank account. Yeah. Doesn't every grown man share a bank account with their dad? <laughs> well, well, have you seen the uh, the the other reporting from John Solomon? I think he's told this story before, but in 2019, somebody leaked him contents of the Biden laptop before we knew it was from a, a laptop. Okay, and part of it, uh, whatever he got from this the Hunter Biden laptop, included a, a cell phone number for a burner phone. John Solomon claims, writer, uh, Just the News, I think, is his, is his blog. Um, John Solomon claims he called that number, and Joe Biden picked up. Wow. <laughs> and so so now, now it's like, okay, well, I need to see some proof of this, but that's one hell of an accusation there. It really is. The other thing, and tell me if I'm off here, from the reports – as far as this Chinese company, you're talking about $10 million yeah. to pay to the Bidens, which is the same amount Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, allegedly paid the Bidens. Yeah. Five mil apiece. Yep. So that seemed to be the going rate. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, we don't want, you know, like the Chinese business to be, you know, saying, hey, you gave them a better deal. This is the flat rate. It's $10 million <laughs> is what it seems like. Yeah. We got ethics here, huh? Do they, they have a rate card there too. They're just they're right. they're able to hand it over. Here's what you get for this amount. Exactly. That's, you can get, that's my guess. You can get the platinum tier though for fifteen million. <laughs> <laughs> With what? Like a, a complimentary entrance to the sex club? That were taken as business expenses. <laughs> Prostitutes. Sex club memberships. Yeah, it's it's the platinum card gets you in. Right, exactly. Wow. That's really something, man. Okay, so keep an eye on that story. This is a different kind of story. Uh, this was a guy just trying to do a good deed. Um, guy named Michael. I don't think his name is even out there yet. Um, he shared this story about how his neighbor is a 70-year-old Hindu priest, and he wanted to support him in his efforts by donating 150 bucks to a GoFundMe that was providing food to starving people in Bangladesh. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. It's generous. Uh, he did make a mistake, though. 
instead of donating 150 bucks, he donated 15 grand. Oh, buddy. Uh-oh, a couple zeros in there. He got notifications from his credit card company, but it went through. So the dude, Michael, contacts GoFundMe, and they promised him a refund. But before it was processed, the charity saw this huge donation come through, and the person who runs it sent Michael pictures and videos of people in Bangladesh graciously thanking him for this massive donation. (laughs) Holding signs with Michael's name on it. Thank you. We were starving. You're going to feed people. So Michael explained the error to somebody involved in the campaign, and he couldn't donate 15 grand. Um, But he went back and said, you know what? I will increase it to $1,500. Wow. Some people were like, well, that sucks. What do you mean that sucks? If you, if you <laughs> don't know. have the money, I mean, if you don't have 15 grand to spend. And you're going 1500 that's really generous. Yeah, it is. Um, he said, you know, the charity's host was incredibly gracious and understanding. And then he was told that the 1500 still made a huge impact in the community, which is cool. But this is something that really came out of this that I think that was probably the best thing. So the dude tells his story online. It goes viral. A bunch of TV stations, whatever, they pick it up. They're spreading the word about this. So more people heard about the campaign and his donation, and they started tossing in a few bucks. So the GoFundMe original goal was like $26,000, and now they've raised more than 120000 Oh, that's great. See? That was pretty cool. Now that guy's like, hey, can I get like a thousand of that back, by the way? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I just happened to see this um, at Fox News um, online because you had the story earlier about Anheuser-Busch. Yeah. Because they had fired some of their marketing people mm-hmm. because of the Dylan Mulvaney controversy and debacle. A headline at Fox News is. Anheuser-Busch CEO refuses to say if he'd allow Bud Light's disastrous Dylan Mulvaney promo in hindsight. Mm-hmm. What? You... Refuses to say if he'd allow it well, in hindsight? Isn't the easy answer, well, yeah, in hindsight, no, I wouldn't have allowed it. <laughs> right, no kidding. But, he, he, you know, obviously there is a feeling that you're going to get more backlash if you say, yeah, I shouldn't have never done that, even though everybody knows that was the wrong call. Okay. So he went on CBS Morning. Morning is what they call it. And the quote is, it's been a challenging few weeks. I think the conversation surrounding Bud Light has moved away from beer. And the conversation has become divisive. And Bud Light really doesn't belong there. Bud Light should be all about bringing people together. And there's an impact on the business. And I think that's publicly covered on Bud Light specifically. That's just more corporate speak. It It, is. You're making it worse, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you're better off not saying anything. And I, I, you know, I go back to the example that we talked about. And I I brought it up before, but Heckler and Coke, they make guns. And their social media person got out over their skis. And they immediately came out and said, mistakes were made. People were fired. We're going to get back to talking about guns. Right. That's how you do it. Yes. He goes on. And I think to your point, he would best have not gone on CBS Mornings today. He said, we have to understand the impact that it's had. 
the impact on our employees, the impact on our consumers, as well as the impact on our partners. One thing I'd love to make extremely clear is that impact is my responsibility. And as the CEO, everything we do from here, I'm accountable for. Okay. Uh, all right. There's a big social conversation taking place right now, and big brands are right in the middle of it. And it's not just our industry no, or no. Bud Light. No. You're not <laughs> Dude, in the middle of it. how can you get to be CEO and make these kinds of mistakes? I don't you, understand it. You're not in the middle of the conversation. You inserted yourself into the conversation. Yes. And then you shamed people who had a problem with the stances that you took. Yes. And there are consequences with that said it's happening in retail, happening in fast food. And so for us, what we need to understand is, deeply understand and appreciate, is the consumer and what they want, what they care about, and what they expect from big brands. I expect you to sell me inexpensive beer. That's what I expect from Bud Light. Yes. And not, you know, try to expand your market to something that is deeply offensive to so many in your customer base. And it has nothing to do with someone being gay. It's what everyone sees with the trans ideology pointed toward kids. People take a stand there. You couldn't read the room. It seems like you still can't read the room no. that that's what's going on. Wow, that that is just amazing to me. Um, David, you had something else that had gone viral. Yeah. And it's this guy that doesn't know what to do because he's never been in a long-term relationship, but he's saying that scares away dates or something like that? Yeah, basically he didn't get a second date because he told the girl that he'd never had a girlfriend before. Okay. And this is going on, you know, yeah. all over online and people trying to give this guy advice, and we've talked about this before, like, hey, we're here to help. Yeah. Somebody that might need advice. So here's the audio of this guy telling his story. So I went on a first date with this girl. We were getting along, and then she asked me, hey, what's your past relationship experience like? And I was being very honest, and I told her, I've never had a girlfriend before in my life. Okay, stop it right there. Yeah. Earlier, David mentioned, and now I can't unhear it, that this dude sounds like Butthead. Yeah. From Beavis and Butthead. He does. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> Keep going. And then she laughs a little. And then when we get home, I message her, hey, I had a good time. I'd love to see you again. And she <laughs> never responds. And then I take a quick look at her Hinge profile, and I see that she's updated one of her prompts. My most irrational fear is being someone's first girlfriend. <laughs> I can't unhear the butthead part now. <laughs> what are people like me supposed to do? Were there relationship internships I was supposed to apply for or something? Beavis, you dumbass, I was going to score. <laughs> so the first free advice is, all right, you got to watch some Beavis and Butthead, and yeah. you got to stop talking like that. Right. Yes, and then from there we'll work on things, but that is mission one. I think that is true, because I can't unhear it. It's almost like after the date, he went home to his friend, which is a blonde-haired guy. <laughs> In an ACDC shirt, and they're having the conversation. I think I just figured something out, Beavis. <laughs> what? <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> yeah, it really sucks. <laughs> this sucks more than anything that I've ever sucked before. <laughs> and that's where it has to start, dude. Just stop talking like that. 
That poor freaking guy. What is a guy yeah. like me supposed to do? <laughs> All right, we got to get to a news update. And Nimrod's in the news. Straight ahead, right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We'll be back tomorrow. News update, David Van Camp. So RFK Jr. running uh, for president, of course, against Joe Biden. Remarkably, even though there's been a virtual media blackout on him, uh, he's at like 20-something percent against a sitting U.S. president. Pretty remarkable here. News Nation is going to be doing, this is a small cable news outlet. Dan Abrams is with it. A few other uh, former CNN or HLN uh, anchors are with it. Chris Cuomo's on there now. Um, uh, they're hosting a town hall with Robert Kennedy Jr. tonight. And it was really interesting because nobody else is willing to really touch his campaign. Jake Tapper on CNN, for example, says we're not going to do it because he lies and he spreads misinformation and blah, 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 blah. Tell us what the misinformation is and tell us what the correct information is then. Do your job. I mean, right. That's your job. He is running for president and he is polling pretty well, all things considered. Um, Someone made the point. Jake Tapper won an award for making the Steele dossier part of the lexicon. (laughs) which was the idea that the former president was being secretly controlled by the Kremlin through sexual and financial blackmail. He's never publicly apologized or returned the award. But he sits atop Moral Mountain to talk about, well, we don't have disinformation on CNN. By the way, real quick, Robert Kennedy Jr., is the video of him doing push-ups real or is that a fake? I think it's real. The shirtless? Yeah. He's in that good of shape? Yeah, but the thing the thing is, to me, he only did, like, what, six, seven push-ups? The amount of push-ups wasn't impressive. It and, was the physique. Yeah, the physique. Uh, it's implants. Cosmetic that that surgery. I think so. Yeah. Holy he's smokes. He's, like, showing off his bench press, but he's got, like, 50 pounds on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't get pecs like that bench pressing 50 and doing eight push-ups. This is true. All right, we got to get the Nimrods. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the news. We go to Minnesota. 19-year-old Tristan Statina arrested. What for? An unprovoked Skittles attack. That's right. Walked into a restaurant this past Friday and began throwing Skittles at employees and customers. Police called Skittles everywhere. They found him in a nearby business. He was charged with misdemeanor assault, disorderly conduct, a bunch of stuff. One woman told the cops she was hit in the back with a Skittle and suffered from a stinging pain. And that's Nimrod's.